Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. So please follow along with me as I read Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, I pray for Dan as he presents the good word that you've put in his heart, that we will hear it and receive it and practice it, Lord, that we may experience the peace and the contentment and the joy that comes from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, Sarah. You know, in the past few years, if you've looked at uh, some of the blockbusters that came out, uh, a popular trend in the major films uh, was using the ability to de-age an actor or actress. See, whether they used machine learning or AI to train a computer to recreate a face, or whether they had prosthetics added in, uh, it's almost amazing to see how far technology has advanced. Uh, For Star Wars fans, you could see the young Luke and Leia once again in high definition. Uh, You could see Robert De Niro, Samuel L. Jackson, and Will Smith in their own roles where they played a younger version of themselves and an older version of themselves. And it's 
almost amazing to see it happen. Uh, but the thing is, whenever you look closely at their face, it feels a little bit off. Uh, chances are, when you see the actors or actresses de-aged, you creep into the uncanny valley, which is when something looks almost human, but it's not quite there, and instead of looking nice and natural, it actually looks kind of disturbing or a little creepy. Maybe the way their mouth moves is off. It just feels a little uh, robotic or out of sync. Maybe their skin looks like rubber, or their eyes just kind of stare off into space, even though they're talking to somebody. Do the pores on their skin stretch? Is the light reflecting or blending in the right way? Do the shadows look realistic? There are so many little factors that play into making a person look real that CGI can't consistently output and recreate a real face or a real person. It's difficult uh, to manufacture a person digitally and make it look real. To try to force it creates that off feeling that something isn't quite right. I bring that up to highlight what might feel like an elephant in the room. So far for the past few weeks, we've been uh, talking about spiritual habits, how we can grow in our faith in order to be more like Jesus and to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Yet hearing the title this morning, practicing or growing in gratitude, it might, it might feel a little uncanny. Because let's face it, telling someone, hey, you need to be more thankful, does not really make people very thankful. In fact, it probably does the opposite and make you feel a little put off, or it feels uncanny. It doesn't magically bring joy to say, hey, you need to show more gratitude in life. And while it could feel like that is what has happened here. Thankfully, that is not the attitude that the Bible approaches, that God approaches for us. And so as we look at what God is doing in this world and how he's active even today, we can find avenues and venues to grow in gratitude. And so I want to unpack that in two points. First, we're going to look at the barriers of gratitude and second, we're going to look at the gateway towards gratitude. Barriers of gratitude and gateway towards gratitude. To fill you in on Paul's letter to the Philippian church, Paul is writing while he is in prison. Yet he's writing to the church who's giving thanks, uh, and he's giving thanks to them because of their generosity. Uh, they weren't a particularly wealthy church. They didn't have a lot of means, but they gave what they had to support him while he was suffering in prison. And so in this letter, Paul is thanking them, yet he is also encouraging them throughout the letter to rejoice. You find him saying, uh, find it all joy, or rejoice in the Lord, uh, over and over again throughout the letter, even when the circumstances don't work out for them. So as he is wrapping up this letter, when Paul is giving concluding remarks, a common thread weaved into these remarks is this idea of joy and what might be barriers to the gratitude that leads to true joy. What are these barriers that lead to true joy? First, we see conflict, as we see in verse 2. He says, I entreat Iodia and I treat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. 
And in verse 3, he's calling others in to help resolve a conflict that is big enough to disrupt the whole church. Paul's not just name-dropping just to cause drama. It is a serious enough issue that he has to pause and say, hey, let us come to an agreement. Paul continues. We see in verse 5, or verses 4 and 5, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. It's important to note that reasonableness here. Uh, refers to how people act in situations where they are mistreated. It's talking about injustices or outside sufferings that you face. In the midst of all of that, can we be gentle and reasonable? Can we, in a sense, have a posture of showing grace even at our own expense? Lastly, we see, starting in verse Six, that Paul is touching on the inner anxieties of the church who have endured very difficult circumstances. Echoing the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and by supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. In the span of these four to five verses, there's kind of a lot thrown at us at once. And so I want to slow down and sit on these three uh, commands and give you guys a few takeaways or notes before we jump into, all right, what do we do as a church? How do we grow in gratitude? Before we get to that, uh, the first takeaway that I want to mention is that the experiences you face are real. Let's just slow down and recognize that the reality of sin creeps into all areas of our lives. That means even within the church, as imperfect people come together to worship God, we recognize that at times there may be conflict. For those of us who are feeling the effects of systems and outside forces pressing in against you, operating against you, your pain is real. Your frustration and your dismay is real. For those of you wrestling with anxiety, Paul is not here trying to dismiss you, saying that it's all up in your head. Anxiety is an overwhelming force that can also weigh down on you. Your experiences are real. A note, a second note to make, is that the experiences that we face are not so simple that we can pinpoint what the root issue is to resolve it in a day. Life is not so simple that we can easily resolve it all the time. Think about it. When it comes to conflict, yeah, there might be a situation where someone's definitely in the wrong, but what about the times when there's a web of actions and reactions where everyone is hurt, everyone is frustrated, and everyone grows bitter? Is, it your, is your anxiety because of some sin in your life? Possibly. But maybe you have real stressors in life that gives you a real reason to feel anxious. Even the Philippian church in their persecution, in their poverty, had real reasons to feel anxious. Even though Paul's commands are short and to the point, it does not mean that 
the application, trying to work out these commands in real life, it does not mean that those are so simple either. We need to recognize the gray that happens when we live with one another. And the last takeaway that I want to mention is that Paul's not giving us a three-step process to never face difficulty again. You see, whereas Paul gives these commands, it's not meant to, he's not trying to say that you will never fight again if you just follow these three steps. He's not trying to say if you uh, pray to God, then you will never feel anxious ever again. Frankly, Paul even gives his own experience later on in the chapter to show that that is not the case. He says in verses 12 through 13, I have known how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul is using his own life experience to remind us that on this side of Jesus' death and resurrection, before he comes back to make all things new, the effects of sin are still in this world. But as Paul gives these commands, he is still assuring them that regardless of the circumstances, you can find joy still. You can still grow in gratitude because Uh, Not because our circumstances are great, but because the God of peace breaks in through the barriers of gratitude, and in him you find that conflict and justice and anxiety do not have the final say in your life. Have you ever been in a conversation where someone you're talking to just keeps going and talks about one subject, and after they're done for five minutes, they just jump to another subject, and as you try to interject and, and say, hey, what about you get cut off. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, Hopefully, uh, that doesn't happen often to you, but the reality is as these voices keep going and going, there has to be some point where you have to say, whoa, 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 can we pause for a minute and can we have more of a conversation? Sometimes when we are in the midst of the difficulties of life and the voices keep streamlining into us again and again, We need another voice to come in and break through. When we are weighed down by conflict, it's easy to give in to the voice of bitterness because that voice in your head replays every word spoken, picks apart every little detail, and you stew in how they have wronged or hurt you. Yet the voice of God, the God of peace, interrupts that voice, reminding us of the grace and forgiveness we have received in Jesus. When we are weighed down by injustice, it is easy to give in to the voice of despair and cynicism. Yet, as it says in verse 5, the Lord is at hand. He will call everyone to account for their actions. True justice is coming, and the voice of God, of the God of true peace, will right every wrong. When you are wrestling with the voice of anxiety, the God of peace assures us Jesus Christ willingly humbled himself to the point of death on the cross for you. Jesus is not saying that to guilt trip you. He's saying that to say, I care about you enough to die for you. Can you trust that he cares for you and you're good? 
You see, these promises of God, the voices that he gives of forgiveness, justice, and love are not given to us because we have rejoiced enough. It is not because we have been thankful enough or that we've prayed hard enough. The voice, the promises of God and the voice he gives us to interject, to break that cycle of despair is given to us because God himself is faithful and he speaks to us. He woos us to himself And we can receive these promises freely by faith. Through the spirit that he gives us by faith, we can find strength to endure all circumstances and grow in gratitude. Again, as Paul has even shared in his own life, it is not that life is absent from hardship or suffering. It is that in the midst of all of it, whether you are in your lows or whether you are abounding, the same God is here and he's here for you and he loves you, and he cares for you. Will you turn to him in faith? So how can we break that cycle and grow in gratitude? I think one way to start, this is not, again, the silver bullet. This is not the three steps to achieve gratitude in all situations of life perfectly all the time. But the first step that we can take I think, is what Paul remarks in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This practice of thinking about what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, when we think actively about God and what he has done for us because he loved us, that helps slowly turn us in the right direction. The practice is to help us to be reminded of the God who is present and active with us today. The same God that Paul says in verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So as we think about it, as we meditate on the goodness of God and who he is, there is also a call, as he continues in verse 9, whatever you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So as we think and meditate and pray over all of these things, we can also practice gratitude together as a community and individually as well. In practicing uh, being thankful, that is as simple as encouraging, speaking truth to another person in our community. To see the ways that uh, God has used them to bless you, That is one way that we can extend gratitude to others to help them see what God is doing in their life through them. It can be even the way that we reflect at the end of the day. Can we keep track, whether writing it down or uh, making notes of it somewhere in life, the ways that God has helped you in the day-to-day life? Because chances are, when we are in the thick of it, when those voices, uh, the barriers that weigh down on us are in full swing, it may not always be easy for us to just magically think of it on our own and change uh, on our own. 
And so to have these tools available for you can be means for us to grow in gratitude. It also means using the full gifts and extents of our community, whether that means getting uh, guidance from someone that you know and trust, whether it is a spiritual leader, whether it is someone who has been trained professionally to help you walk through different issues in life. Those are all tools that God has given us to help us see what God is doing in our lives and in the world around us. And in that, as we meditate and think and as we practice going through these cycles as a community, then we can grow to see that the words that God has given us is true and it is good. And we have hope that one day his promises will be made real. That one day there will be perfect peace. That one day there will be no more voices tempting us wayward to think that God is not real. We have hope that one day God will return and make all things new. So may we trust in that as a church and in that grow in gratitude in response. Let me pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you that, Lord, you as the God of peace meet us here in the midst of our hardship, in the midst of our suffering. God, I pray that whether we are abounding or whether we are in a low. That we find hope not in the fact that we are good enough, not in the fact that we are even uh, doing the right things or are even grateful enough, but let us find hope in the fact that you love us still, that you are walking with us still, that Jesus, your words, that you are the good shepherd rings true. And that in your love for us, you are walking with us, guiding us to our heavenly home. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we respond to God's word, I'd like for you to um, stand.